can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Water flossing, Hannah, is in your notes in our recording doc and I'm keen for an update. Yep. I bought it. You did? Yep, I bought one. Which one did you get? I got to find it. It was the cordless. I did quite a bit of research and, oh, no, they all look the same. It was this one. Uh-oh. Yep, found it. <laughs> so basically every time I go to the dentist, the dentist firstly says that I brush too hard and secondly mm-hmm. says I need to floss. However, I have plates on the top and the bottom of my teeth. Yeah, that's challenging. And the thing with the top teeth is you can't get those, you know, those little pick flosser things. Yeah. You can't get them in between the front, like five teeth at the top. Mm. So the problem is that I had to have three different sets of floss. I had to have floss for braces. I had to have little picks for the bottom ones and then normal floss. Like it just felt like it was just Mm. all too much. And because it was too much, I just didn't floss enough. Yeah. So my mum actually suggested that I try, and we've spoken about this, she said a water pick. It's a water flosser. I'm sure you can get like generic brands as well, but I wanted to give this one a go. It is so easy to floss now. Does it go everywhere? Do you do it in the shower? I do it in the shower. Yeah. So the problem is do not fill it up with cold water. Like I think someone on the Facebook group actually Uh, said that, like it needs to be tepid or like a little bit warm because I was playing around with it. I did it with like cold water one day. It's like so sensitive. Oh, okay. Good tip. Tepid or warmish water, Mm -hmm. then it's fine. I do it on the lower setting. Who the hell could do it on the highest setting? Is it really violent, is it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I just feel like it would like push my I don't know I just I'm sure it's fine but I just do the I'm new to this so I do like the lower setting yeah so what you do is you, I'm in the shower and I like dip my head over with my mouth a little bit open yeah and then you go from tooth to tooth to tooth using the water flosser and then the water just like comes out of your mouth yeah however before I knew how to do that and then I'd like because you've got to press it twice to turn it off but it goes to the really high setting before oh. we turn it off. Oh, so it's been a challenge to understand how to use it, but now that I know how to use it, it's really easy, and apparently they're really effective. Yeah, I've heard they are. Yeah, you know what? I wonder. I actually reckon we should bring. Was it Dr. Michelle Squire that spoke to us about the poo particles? I think she was. Yeah, I reckon we need to find out. Like, should you be keeping your toothbrush in the shower? Because I'm not a toothbrush showerer like I don't take my toothbrush into the shower I always brush my teeth outside of the shower at the sink but my boyfriend brushes his teeth in the shower and I think it's just it's what you've grown up with like if your parents used to do it can I tell you what I do oh do I want to know no I have two toothbrushes one in the shower one on the sink yeah that's fine yeah he's the same yeah I have two so that whenever I do morning it just depends when I'm brushing my teeth and when I'm having a shower yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Toothbrushes are so cheap. Why not have yeah. two? 
But I just wonder, because there's so much mold buildup in showers because of the humidity and the amount of water in there, I wonder if it's not the best environment to keep a toothbrush. Possibly. That's a good point. So I would love to know the answer to that, but I've always thought that, like, oh, I don't know if I'd want my toothbrush in the shower. I'd probably rather it get poo particles on it. But Both aren't <laughs> ideal. Yeah, both aren't ideal. Probably just put it away in a cupboard somewhere, not to get dust and poo particles and mold spurs on it, but... You know, something's got to kill you. Anyway. <laughs> what is on today's episode, Joe? So on today's episode, we are talking about, on the note of showers, pooping in the shower. Poo particles. Yeah, pooping in the shower. <laughs> We're talking about that for our cringy combo. And we are also speaking to Dr. Chris Winter about sleep and sleep noises and mattresses and pillows. He's a very funny neurologist. Hilarious. He was a fun yeah. time. Yeah. You guys will enjoy that. And of course, our products we didn't know we needed. I can't really believe that this is true. I can. You can. I can believe it. Yeah. All right. I'll just read it out. One in 30 people say they have done a poop in the shower. I believe it's called a waffle stomp. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the colloquial term that the youths use. Is that the Urban Dictionary? Is this a TikTok thing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Where did you? I've just heard that over the years. Waffle, okay, Urban Dictionary. I knew it was Urban. To defecate in the shower and then proceed to stomp it down the drain with your yeah. foot. Mm. Uh, I've never actually participated in that myself, but I would believe that people have for sure. I've never taken a shit in the shower. What would the point be? You can't hold it in. Maybe yeah, if it was a really urgent poo, or I could understand if you were in a situation where that was the only option that would be the best option because you are just washing it down the drain. So if you really were desperate, I can understand why that would be better than another alternative like the sink, you know? Isn't the toilet usually next to the shower? (laughs) Well, some toilets are separate. Yeah. What if you're travelling and, like, there was a situation? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of why someone would be in this position. Obviously, if you have gastro, I'm not considering that a deliberate poo in the shower. Yeah. But if you've physically gone in with intent, that is me considering that a deliberate poo in the shower. But if you've got gastro and it slipped out, then fair enough. <laughs> or you jarted. Yeah. I actually watched, do you know Hot Ones, the YouTube show? No. Oh, so celebrities go on to Hot Ones with this host and they progressively eat chicken wings, I think, with like hotter and yeah. hotter and hotter hot sauces. I feel like I might have seen this, yeah. And one of my favourite comedians, Bobby Lee, he was on Hot Ones and I was watching it. He did his pants. Oh. He did. <laughs> He ate something, he ate the hottest, and then all of a sudden you could just see it in his face. Oh, on there. He shat his pants on the show. On the show, yeah. Oh. He, t- he totally did a shit in his pants. Oh, my God. Because I guess the chilli just ran through. It really went through him. Yeah. Okay. It'll happen. So someone here has done, there's a lot of votes actually. So someone's done a Twitter vote and mm. They've said, have you ever done a poo in a shower and shoved it down the drain? There were 2,500 votes. And in terms of like statistical analysis, I think like you need like a 1,000 people to have like Mm. statistical significance. So 7% said yes, 93% said no. 7% is is quite high. That sounds quite high to me, 7 out of 100. Although if you think about how normalised it is to pee in the shower, I have never weed in the shower. Mm-hmm. I 
can't get on board with it because I've always had a toilet in the bathroom. Mm. If you've got a separate toilet somewhere else in the house and you kind of get the urge to pee while you're in there, I understand why people do it, Mm -hmm. but I don't enjoy it. That's not something I want to do daily, you know? Mm. But considering how normalized that is, I'm not overly surprised that people do poo in the shower as well. Yeah. My only concern would be, you know, when we talk about pooing in the toilet and then the poo particles get into the air and they might get into your skincare. Yes. Do you know what I always think about? Since we did that episode about poo particles, my toothbrush sits on my- Always think about it. Uh, constantly. Oh, always. <laughs> it's haunted me ever since. <laughs> and so I feel like you'd push the poo down the drain and- mm. But then the hot steam oh. would bring all the particles up. Wouldn't it? Throughout the whole house, probably. Yeah. You'd fill the whole bathroom with poo particles. With poo particles. Because steam, that's surely the worst thing for poo particles. Uh, Surely. I don't know for sure, but surely. And I can just imagine that getting into the, I always, like I have this vision of like poo particles getting deep into the bristles of your toothbrush. Yes. What's the answer, do you think? To the toothbrush question? Or? Yeah. Like, how can we protect our toothbrush from poo particles? Well, I think it's putting it away in a cupboard instead of leaving it out. But who wants to do that? That's true. I just leave it out. Or it's shutting the lid before you flush the toilet. Ah. Instead of flushing it with the lid open, which is, I think, why the lid is actually there. But I don't know that we use toilets properly in the Western world. We should all be using bidets, but we're not. Oh, okay. So I have a friend who lives part-time in Thailand. He actually installed a bidet in his bathroom. Yeah, there are a lot of houses with bidets going around. Sorry, not a bidet, a bum gun. Oh, okay. I don't know what the official term is, but bum gun. They're so good. You should get one. Why don't you just get one? You love them. (gasps) I do love them. I feel like people would come over for dinner It would be weird. I don't know. It's just not something that you see. Yeah. In bathrooms. I think they're way more clean. I think it's way more clean. Oh, absolutely. You're washing your bum every time you go and do a poo. Every time. So it's like a a little mini shower for your bottom. I'm on board with it. I really think that we should create a movement towards bum guns and the use of them in Australia. Oh, my God. Okay, so there's some more surveys here. This article's next level. The survey also found that those people that use work showers, one in three say they have peed in there. Yes, see, that's in there. (laughs) I'm just thinking the shower we have at the Adore Beauty office and thinking of someone peeing in there is just... One in three. It's already disgusting enough. But the work shower news continues to get worse, with one in four saying they've blown their nose in there. That's not that bad. Ew. One in five saying they've spit. Oh, one in <gasps> – wait, one in 20 saying they've masturbated in there. No. <laughs> not at work. In the work shower. Wow. This was enlightening. This has been really eye-opening. We can share this article in the episode notes if you want to read it yourself, but we did find a lot of very interesting articles on this particular site. So we might just make our way through those. There's some other topics we could discuss. (laughs) (laughs) So today we have Dr. Chris Winter joining us, neurologist and sleep specialist to talk all things sleep. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm looking forward to this discussion because my young nieces and nephews are obsessed with white noise and I actually have gotten on board recently (laughs) because I find it really does help 
with sleep. So I want to talk about those noise colors. I've heard brown noise as well. So there are these other spectrums of noise color, I suppose. Can you run us through them and how they're all different and like kind of why we like them so much? Sure. So basically white noise is essentially random noise in all sort of wavelengths kind of happening at the same time. It's what kind of people think of as being static. And so when you start looking at noise variations, you're looking across the spectrum of what we can actually hear and enhancing certain, you know, lower or higher frequencies to produce, you know, the different color spectra, so to speak. And what they do above each other is, is sort of up for debate. Some people think that pink noise, the idea that you're kind of being bombarded with every sound all night long, some people have argued, might not be a great sort of situation for resting, that it's nice to have a period of several hours where our brain is not inputting for a period of time. And there's been studies that show that when people are asleep, you can't really learn Spanish in your sleep by playing recordings of people you know, saying, hola. <laughs> Ola equals hello, and you kind of remember that. But we do process things at night. So probably sleeping in silence is best, but there are certain situations where silence is not achievable. You've got a snoring partner, you're in a loud hotel room. So having something that's relatively uniform that can kind of drown out the other sounds might be preferable. And then, you know, picking which sort of sound spectra is best is probably largely personal preference. So you just mentioned that it might be better to have silence, but I guess, is it a good thing to fall asleep to different kinds of noises or sort of- Hannah falls asleep to the TV, just for a reference point. For background, like I can't sleep without the TV. So I have like a headphone headband, like it's a headband that does like sitcoms. And I posted on my Instagram about that and I was really shocked. A lot of people- fall asleep to podcasts or to the TV. You know, everyone was wanting to get these headphones. I could never in a million years fall asleep in silence. So you could. That's a fallacy. (laughs) So I can promise you if the three of us sit here and stare at each other long enough, we're all going to fall asleep. So you can tell yourself what you want to, but sleeping is, is like breathing. I could never breathe without listening to, you know, Friends episodes. That's not a true statement. So I think we run into trouble. If somebody says, look, I find it relaxing. I don't need it. If I go out of town and forget my headband with speakers in it playing, you know, sitcoms or whatever, I'm okay. I just kind of like it. Then I mean, I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, again, I think we have to be very careful when we sort of fall into situations where you fill in the Mad Lib. I can't fall asleep without X because whatever you're putting in as the variable X is not true. Not falling asleep is not compatible with being human. We're all going to sleep. We're all going to sleep about six hours or more for every 24 we're on this planet. So it becomes sort of a situation where you go out of town and somebody leaves the headband on the dresser and it's kind of a freak show. Or you leave your teddy, your kid's teddy bear on the dresser because he needs his teddy bear to sleep or his white noise machine or his nightlight, whatever it is. So I think that when we avoid crutches for sleep and create a sense of bulletproofness, like I'm going to go to bed and something's going to happen. I'm going to sleep great or I'm not. And I'm okay with either situation. I think when we start pulling in technology to the bedroom, 
you know, laptops in front of you with some girl in a bikini crinkling aluminum foil next to a microphone, whatever that means. I can't sleep without it. Well, really? Because that seems sort of strange that, you know, we've evolved to the point where we need aluminum foil crinkling to fall asleep. No, of course you don't. So, but, you know, using something that relaxes you before you go to bed is perfectly fine. But just, I would get outside of that. I can't fall asleep without it because that's never a true statement. It's been 20 years. Right. Sure. So I feel like I don't know at this point. I'm sure if I stayed up for like two or three days, I probably would have to get a few hours sleep. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. I, I'm, not, I'm not even joking right now. You're selling yourself very short in the sleep department. I can tell you that. Like it's a fear-based thing, you know, it's a mental thing. Right. And you said you've done it for 20 years. Yeah, I have. So what thing that you've done for 20 years can you abruptly stop and not have anxiety about it? Yeah. I mean, we create routine when it comes to sleep. Even when you're a little baby, we watch the baby, we feed the baby, the baby plays games, and then we settle and we you know, read a story and we go to bed. So routine is good. We just don't want ever want to come into sort of like routine to dependency. That's where we mm. kind of fall off. Oh, well, I'm dependent. There are worse things to be dependent on <laughs> than episodes of New Girl. Because my mum always says to me, she's like, this can't be good for your brain. It can't be good to be listening to George Costanza's voice all night. Do you think silence would be better? I do. I do. I mean, I think that, you know, what's interesting, they did a study where they put people in an MRI who were asleep and then played them words. And they were either, I think, colors or verbs, green, swim, blue, run. And during, actually, they were in a PET scan, or I'm sorry, not an MRI. And, and they could actually look at the brain processing and sorting the words. So again, you can't learn a language, but the idea that you're not processing data when you're asleep is probably not true. Mm. So if you're giving yourself the soup Nazi, the bet, you know, all the different wonderful episodes of Seinfeld that are out there to, to listen to, the, the licking the adhesive on the envelopes or whatever George's wife did, you know, you're paying attention to that to some mm -hmm. degree. And that might be robbing you from the best quality sleep. Like you're subtracting 7% deep sleep that you could be getting. And why do you care? Well, deep sleep's when you make growth hormone and growth hormone makes us young and beautiful and healthy and resilient. And so I would hate to think that every night you're losing out on a little bit every evening just because of this uh, reluctancy to try it without the headband. Hannah, why don't we do a little trial on this podcast of you trying to sleep without the, the noise headband for a week? I can assure you right now, <laughs> it'll never happen. Like, I just, I just, like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, She's not taking your advice on board, Dr. Chris. That's okay. That would not be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so onto sleeping positions, I am a tummy sleeper and I've heard that that's not very good for you either. So how does your sleeping position affect your overall sleep quality? You've just spoken to that kind of deep sleep and how important that is. Are some sleeping positions really bad for you? I don't think any of them are really bad for you. It really depends upon what you're after. So I tend mm -hmm. to sleep on, I like that tummy, tummy sleeper. That sounds much more adorable mm -hmm. than stomach sleeper or prone <laughs> sleeper. That seems very sterile. Is tummy an Australian? I don't know if tummy's an Australian. <laughs> I don't think that's not, it's bad. I've never heard tummy sleeper. I just, maybe it is. I like that. I'm a tummy sleeper. So it depends on really, I think tummy sleepers tend to have maybe more problems with their lower back. 
So that's where if you're going to be a tummy sleeper, maybe having a firmer mattress or your side of the mattress being designed to be a little bit firmer maybe than your partners who likes to sleep on their side or back. I like a firm mattress. You know, so then it becomes also breathing is usually pretty supported on your stomach or on your side, on your back. It tends to be a little bit more problematic. Some people don't like to be tummy sleepers because it can perhaps uh, influence wrinkling of your face or uh, for somebody who wants, you know, perky anatomical parts, maybe sleeping on your stomach might be problematic Mm -hmm. there too. And for women who have larger chests, it kind of puts your back in a funny angle, but that's where pillows kind of come in, Mm -hmm. you know, finding the right mattress and the right configuration of pillows to give your body support when you sleep there. Side sleepers usually breathe a little bit better. So if you're a snorer, or maybe have little funny breathing problems during the night. Sleeping on your side tends to support your airway a little bit better. I think being on your back might be the most anatomically supportive, especially if you have a lot of trouble with shoulder pain, you know, hip pain and things of that nature. So being on your back, maybe a little bit elevated can help with that too. Pregnancy, sometimes people think sleeping on one side might improve blood flow to the, the baby a little bit better. So really about what you're looking for, wrinkling, back support, back pain, breathing problems. I think body position tends to help, you know, some are better than others when it comes to that, but none are really bad. Mm, Okay, good to know. I'll continue to sleep on my tummy. And what about (laughs) pillow type? Do those orthopedic type pillows actually work? I think they do, particularly if you're thoughtful about your position that you sleep in, the temperature maybe that you prefer, the size of your body and your pillow. It's amazing when people ask them, what kind of pillow do you have and where did you get it? They have absolutely no idea how to answer the question. It's like it came with the bed 30 years ago. I have no idea where it came from. So I think actually choosing it thoughtfully, like actually sitting down and trying out some different pillows, having it fit to you is really important. You know, Before you spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a new mattress, being thoughtful about the pillow can make a huge difference in terms of the quality of your sleep. So I, I do think that it does make a difference. I've seen a few like beauty pillows going around now that have kind of a dip in them. So your face is meant to just cradle in them as opposed to being squished onto it. I think that's to your point earlier about the wrinkling of your face because your your sleep lines do develop over the years. You notice that as you get older. Absolutely. And some people don't like to sleep on their back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I might have to invest in one of those. My boyfriend does use one of our pillows as a cuddle pillow though, because he had a shoulder reconstruction. So he finds that comfortable to hold pillow. I'm thinking maybe I should get like a pregnancy pillow. Yeah. I mean, there's some really interesting pillows where you could like slide. There's a little place for your arm under it. I always like a pill. I like to put my arm under Uh, the pillow. So like a heavier pillow doesn't feel comfortable. So I need it to be light. Some have little places for your arm. Or like you said, if you have to be a side sleeper, sleeping on your back is probably the best for wrinkling, Mm -hmm. you know, but if if you don't find that to be comfortable, having something that's a little bit more hollowed out and even you're choosing your linens carefully, some wick away moisture and heat and oil. Some are very good for acne. There's all kinds of interesting, thoughtful touches you can put on your Mm. your pillow to really make it work for you. I only sleep on silk (sighs) and I will be taking my silk pillowcase traveling because I don't want to be sleeping on cotton. (laughs) It's too abrasive for me now. That's a great idea too, bringing a pillowcase when you travel. Yeah allows you to feel what you feel when you're at home, Mm -hmm. which really puts you in a much better space to sleep. And if you can like, you know, spray it with something that reminds you of the scent of Mm. your boyfriend or your home can really, you know, that feel and the smell all happening when you're traveling can really make a difference in the way Mm. you sleep. Good tip. And finally to mattresses, we all have a preference. I said before, I really like a firm mattress because I do get a sore lower back if the mattress is too 
soft because I'm often on my tummy. So is there a certain type of mattress that is better for sleep quality or it really is, as you said before, dependent on your temperature, how you sleep, what position you're in, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably the latter, but there have been attempts at doing studies to try to figure out what sleeping surface is best. And there was a retrospective study, I think, done in 2019 that involved like looking at 23 other studies about mattresses. And they came to the conclusion that the medium firm was best. So not the firmest, but maybe a step below that seemed to be best for individuals and their sleep, their body pain, body positioning and things of that nature. But I really think that when it comes to a mattress, it really involves trying it out. And there are mattresses out there that can be sort of split in terms of if you have very specific needs for your sleep, but your boyfriend's kind of the opposite. He likes it cold, you like it warmer, you like it firm, he likes it a lot softer and sort of Mm -hmm. billowy. There are ways to kind of buy mattresses that allow you to kind of customize each side of your bed, which I think can be really helpful for some individuals who are very specific about their needs and don't want to sacrifice based upon their partner. I don't know what happens if you break (laughs) up, like... You get half the bed or you know, how does that work? But My parents did king singles and put them together. There's a lot of people who do that. And also, if you do that and have the bedding, then as I you know, roll over and drag the comforter with me, it's my own comforter. So it's not pulling it off the partner. There's a lot of people who do that and really like that. Yeah. Well, Scandinavians all have two doona covers or duvet covers. So they just have their own. And so there's no fights over it. <laughs> I always had this idea for a duvet cover that had Velcro. Yes. So, you know, if you wanted to cuddle and be together, but if you really got aggressive and you pulled it away, like it just broke away so it didn't pull it off the other person. So I always liked that. You should do that. Yeah, I love that idea. That's a really good invention. Yeah, I'll do that in my spare time. Oh, we can't wait to see you on Shark Tank. I think that's going to be a winner. (laughs) It's a disaster business failure right there, the breakaway duvet. Is there an ideal mattress size when you're sharing a bed with someone? Like is king size a must? Ugh. I mean, scientifically, I guess I can't say it's a must, but I let me tell you something. When I meet the person who says, we got a king mattress and wow, way too much space, I'll, I'll let you know because that has not happened at this point. I mean, I think it's, you know, the great thing about king size, I mean, you can get together, you know, kind of meet at the county line or whatever, <laughs> you know, but then if you want your space, there's a lot of couples who like to sit there and watch Succession cuddled together or The Last of Us or whatever you're watching. And then when it's time to sleep, you retreat to your own kingdoms or whatever. So, you know, I think that having that space is really nice. It also kind of provides a buffer for, mm-hmm. you know, their movement is not affecting you or whatnot. So I don't think it's a must, but it's really nice if you can do it. <laughs> well, at the moment, I'm watching Succession on my own and my boyfriend won't watch it. Oh, brace yourself. And that's not the show that I would be running through your headphones as you're falling asleep because the trials and tribulations of Kindle alone will keep you up all night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Chris Winter. It was a pleasure talking to you and picking your brain all things sleep. Thanks so much for being here. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I've got a bit of a spendy product we didn't know we needed mm, Well, good, because mine's a, a bargain. Good. Yeah. Great. Love when we do yeah. that. So mine is an eye serum. It mm. is meso aesthetic. Nice. We often say they're underrated. They really are. I think they're rated now because we talk about them probably, so much. Yeah. 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 We probably need probably to overrated yeah. now because <laughs> we've talked about it so much. True. So this is the meso aesthetic 
age element firming eye contour. There is a brightening one as well for Mm -hmm. those with dull under eyes or dark under eyes. So this is what they call an anti-aging firming solution. It's $129 for a 15 mil. So she's pricey. But what I love about it is I can't really say much about the formula because honestly, I don't really know if eye cream's really doing anything but hydrating my under eyes. Yes. The thing I love about this is the tip. It is a cool tip. So when you squeeze it out, you apply it onto the skin and you kind of massage the product around the eye and it is so cool. It just feels really refreshing. So Mm. if you're someone that wakes up with puffy, tired eyes, highly recommend this because it will add that kind of soothing, de-puffing effect to Mm -hmm. your eyes. And I really enjoy that about this product. I haven't used a product that has a tip like this before. I would say there's an element of concern around germs getting in there, but mm-hmm. it's a 15 mil. So I'm like, ah, oh, by the time I get through it, it's probably then at its end stage anyway. Yeah. The key ingredients are silk tree extract, which apparently helps Love silk improve- tree extract. Yeah, Fave ingredient. <laughs> helps to improve the appearance of dark circles, mm-hmm. eye bags, wrinkles for a youthful appearance. It's got some peptides and phytoactives to also improve skin elasticity and tensor biopolymers. I've got no idea what those are, but they also apparently help to create a soft, smooth focus effect to the eyes. So, yeah, it's got a little ceramic applicator with a cooling tip on it. So if you're looking for a new eye serum and you want to spend $129, be my guest. <laughs> What's yours? Okay, so have you seen the new look of the Skin Institute products? Yes. What I do you have. think? Yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. I thought that would be good for camera. Yeah. So there's these three, I think they're calling them super serums. They're like around the $60 to $70 mark for the serum, 30 mil serum. And the one that I'm choosing today is the Skin Institute 1% Hyaluronic Complex Serum. So this one. Obviously, hydrating, plumping, smoothing. So the key ingredients are HA4 complex. So that combines four types of ultra-hydrating hyaluronic acid with different molecular weights. What do the different molecular weights do again? Target different layers. Yes, exactly. And then also panthenol. The hyaluronic acid and the B5 usually come together. But I feel like for this one, it's a really good price point at $64 and really hydrating and not like, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit sticky. Yeah. Yeah, this one's not. Oh, yeah, nice. Not sticky at all. Like there's no, yeah, no stickiness. So you can Very use that nice. mor- morning and night. It's fine. Great. You've got here, there's an outro, why I'm hating my lash extensions. Oh. Have you got lash extensions on right now? I've pulled half of them out. I was going to say, I can't oh see lash- lashes from here. I'm sitting probably too So I haven't had lash extensions. I had it done once in my life. Yeah. And I remember it was probably six years ago yeah and I remember thinking I hate this it's so irritating and I was pulling them out then and I thought I'm older and wiser and I I can do this so I went and had them done I had the natural what are they called there's like the classics yeah and I showed her a picture and she did a really good job they looked so good yeah first five six hours I was like oh I love these I'm getting them done every two weeks however long you got to do it and I was like oh I'm gonna always look like I've had my like I've got my makeup done yeah 
And then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, can't do this. Like I actually was like, how, why have I done this? Yeah. Like I find them so irritating. They poke into your eyes. They poke and I got contacts in as well. I, that's how I was going to I was gonna say, I'm shocked <sighs> that you even went down that path with contacts. I don't know that it's the contact as, as much. It was just the irritation. I was highly, highly irritated. Yeah basically until I started pulling them out. I, it's like I pick my nail. If I don't have my nails done, I pick my nails. Yeah. And then for some reason I like transfer that onto my eyelashes because uh, there's something on there that. and I know that there's something on there. So eyelashes are coming out with it because they're stuck to the eyelash. Yeah. And I'm just you like, I'm going to. just use an oil cleanser on there. I tried. Yeah. That'll break it down over time. Yeah. I think I was just, I think it was more just a bit of a like, I was just going without thinking and okay, just like yeah. touching them and then one would come out. Yeah. There's still maybe like 50% or maybe less, 30% of the lashes okay. are still on there. Yeah. Why do I have, do you, have you had it done? Yes. So I have. Are had you them- the same? In late 2019, okay. I think just before the pandemic, and then yep. I started using IMV and my eyelashes like grew like crazy because once they came off, I was like, oh, they're so short and stubby. Mm, and my, I've, heard other I've people always say had that. long lashes. And people are like, no, it's just because you're used to having long ones. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. Like my lashes weren't like this beforehand. So I feel like they do create sun damage, even if you like look after them really well, which I was very careful with them. And when, as they were coming off, I would just oil cleanse and remove them as much as they wanted to come yep. off and then I would leave them. So I took pretty good care of them. I wasn't yeah. picking them or anything. But, God, they're irritating. Yeah. Like just waking up in the like morning itchy. and poked in the eye. Yeah. And also not being able to properly remove your makeup yeah. without being worried you're going to remove them with it. I'd be happy to do that. Like I just... <laughs> Yeah, but when you're paying like when you pay, bucks. Yeah, so I was like, I can't. They were really irritating me. But so many people have them and I'm wondering, yeah. like, are they not irritated all the time? I'm seeing a lot of people on TikTok getting them removed and showing their before and after of, oh. like, when I thought my lash extensions looked good versus when I had them taken off and yeah. it completely changes the look of their eyes. In so good- I think a few people, in a good way, oh, okay. I think a few people are transitioning away from the really heavy lashes because they yep. do bring your face down, like the way that they're attached to your eye, they can make your face look like it yep. can kind of pull the appearance of your face down yep. as opposed to that lifted look when you're wearing, you know, properly applied individual lashes and you can create a lifting effect with them. But, mm. yeah, I just can't, I don't know. How I liked the look of them. I just didn't like the feel of them. Yeah. And I think I just get irritated and I was touching them too much and like if not If they were me. comfortable and easy, yeah. then I would definitely get them. Because yeah, Because again, same. you wake up and you're you like, wake oh, up, I you look so together. nice. Yeah. I look pretty when I wake up in the morning. People must just not be as irritated with having things on their well, eyes as I am. Get used to it, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, get, you'd get used to it possibly. Mm. Yeah. Not me. But if you're a recovering lash extension addict, definitely get an eye serum. I think if you're a nail picker. You might be an eyelash picker. Yes. Can't forget about them because you know they're on there. Yeah. So you've only got a few left to pick off then? No, I'm, I'm going to leave them now. All right. <laughs> Get your oil cleanser Because I saw out. this little bald spot in my eyelashes. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm pulling them out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll grow back though. They will. Yeah, they will. good. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.